Hello, and welcome to Heilman and Haver, the Stage and Screen Podcast, episode 37, coming to you from Casa de Quinn and 1111 Studios in beautiful Port Orchard, Washington. I'm Greg Heilman. And I'm Matt Haver. We're two local actors looking to hone our craft by exploring the best in local theater and on the big screen. Each week we bring you entertainment news and views, celebrate classic Hollywood, enjoy cocktails with a Tinseltown twist, interview talented local actors and directors, and chat with industry experts from L.A. to the U.K. In a few moments, we'll bring you the second half of our interview with Professor Tib Hagen, founder of Bremerton's Olympic College Film School and chair of the Digital Filmmaking Department. But first, we want to remind you and all of our local listeners to get out to Port Orchard, 521 Bay Street specifically, where Western Washington Center for the Arts presents a perfect match, an evening of short comedies tonight, July 16th, through Sunday, July 25th. Well, first go out and read Greg's excellent piece on the show on our Facebook page. No doubt his insightful review will send you directly to www.ca.us for tickets, which are just 10 bucks for Friday and Saturday performances and by donation for Sunday matinees. That's www.ca.us, and while you're there, check out their auditions page and think about getting involved this fall. If you're lucky, you'll have the chance to work with our guest from Episode 2, local actor and director Dan Estes. Dan is an institution at WWCA, and he graciously joined us this week for our second installment of Get to Know a Theater, featuring WWCA. Dan gave us a tour and plenty of behind-the-scenes history of the theater, and even shared a ghost story. So check out Get to Know a Theater, Episode 2, on our YouTube channel, linked in the show notes, and get to know Western Washington Center for the Arts, a wonderful little theater. And since you're already on our YouTube channel, make sure to check out the latest edition of In the Mix. We're back at the Bay Street Bistro toasting the 13th anniversary of the 2008 mega-hit musical Mamma Mia. That's a lot of M's. With, what else? A dancing queen cocktail. An all-star cast, a soundtrack full of ABBA hits, and a setting like Greece. Who could ask for a better summer musical? This Sunday, July 18th, the Bay Street Bistro will dedicate their Sunday supper to Mamma Mia with a special menu full of Greek cuisine, including Greek salad, pork kebabs with tzatziki, moussaka, Greek eggplant lasagna, and karitopita, walnut cake with honey syrup, and of course this week's signature cocktail, the Dancing Queen. So call now and make your reservations, 360-602-0310. We're lucky to have so much enthusiasm for the arts here in the South Puget Sound, and last week we were excited to learn more about the Olympic College Film Program in Bremerton from full-time faculty member, founder of the film school, and chair of the digital filmmaking department, Tim Hagen. Tim teaches acting, directing, and film studies, and prior to joining OC, he worked as an actor, director, and writer. After graduating and while working at the Yale Repertory Theater, Universal Studios placed him under an exclusive contract and moved him to Los Angeles, where he appeared in television and film in many guest star and chief supporting roles during the 70s and 80s. While a professional actor, Tim was fortunate enough to work in repertory theater, film, episodic television, daytime dramas, movies of the week, and commercials. After gaining membership in the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, he was accepted into the Academy's prestigious Directors Group. While in the Directors Group, he was mentored by veteran Hollywood director George Tyne. Tim wrote and directed several short film projects on the Warner Brothers Studios lot. He has directed film and theater in both Los Angeles and New York, and worked in Hollywood as a screenwriter. He also previously taught at several public colleges and private conservatories. Tim holds an MFA from the Yale School of Drama. Oh, it was wonderful to be able to sit down with Tim in person as things open up locally, and we want to say thanks again to our local art boosters, Steve Sego and Corinne Haydock, and their offices at Waterman Mitigation Partners, who hosted our interview. We now return to the second half. Enjoy. So I wanted to ask you about um, screenwriting. You mentioned how learning uh, the, the method acting can inform uh, a director and how a director treats the actor and, and interacts. Mm-hmm. Do you find that it also um, helps 
the screenwriting process to understand you mentioned about you know why write something when it can be you know shown um, right and also in contrast to writing a play like a book for a play where it's much more detailed probably than a than a, a screenplay um, do you find that the you know, teaching the method acting has helped with uh, that as well with the screenwriting side of things yeah, it has. In fact, I will let David Mamet, the screenwriter and playwright, answer your question. I, I, I knew David years ago at Yale, but uh, I read an interview recently with him and some student, he was at some university and a student raised, David, I want to be a great writer like you. What should I do? And David thought for a second, he said, I would do two things. I would study Aristotle's poetics with a focus on story structure, and I would study acting. Hmm because that's who you're writing for. Right. So that was David's response, and I think it's perfectly valid what he had to say. So yeah, I, all, of these, all of these disciplines work together. Now, it goes without saying that some of our students specialize. Some of them walk away and they go, man, I really want to dedicate myself to screenwriting. I just love that. Or I want to direct, or I want to act or I want to be a cinematographer, or I love editing, That's I just want to stay in the editing room. Does that happen? Yes, it does. But our students gain proficiency in all of these because we're in an era where you're going to have to probably do all of these. And as you guys know, you know, it's, it's very helpful to be able to do all of this technological work yourself and all the disciplines mm -hmm. within your, your arena because you can't always afford to have other people do it. Right. Yeah, the gear that we're recording on, we set up ourselves. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> for that yeah. very reason. You mean you didn't have union technicians set this no. up? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. All right. A, a few uh, episodes back, we had Greg Barbanel on, uh, Foley artist extraordinaire. Yeah, NBC Universal. Yeah. yeah, and we were lamenting uh, the transition from your traditional Foley artist to a lot of digital things like that. Do you teach sound and Foley and things like that as part of your program as well? That's definitely covered, and uh, sound systems are covered, and certainly uh, students are doing Foley for their own work. They understand it. We don't have a separate facility for Foley. What we've got over at OC, though, we do have a separate sound booth where we can do voiceover and looping and nice. ADR and Foley. That's what's where we would do where the Foley is done. And we have a, our own little sound booth for that, so it works really well. It's part of the part of the resources we have over there in the film school. Now, for a lot of our listeners, are, th are theater folks, and that's where Greg and I started, and really kind of got bitten by the bug. For those theater folks out there who might like to improve their quote unquote careers, even if they're just community theater actors and actresses, what can your program offer folks like that? Uh, I'm a member of both. Uh, SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, and I'm a member of Equity, uh, the Stage Actors Guild. Mm -hmm. So I'm very aware of how actors make a living for themselves. And uh, you, we see a trend in equity of diminishing incomes. Right. All right, right now. We see an incredible expansion occurring in SAG, and most of that does not even reflect some of the soft money micro budgets that are producing so much of the digital content because some of that is not being made 100% union. They're making union wages, but with the soft money model, 
they're getting it once it starts streaming. Once it starts streaming, all of the artists are in first place ahead of the hard money investors. They get paid off fully before the investors begin to get the money. So because it's a different twist, some of these shoots are not union because a union, union says you got to give them the money the day they work, you know, right. that kind of a thing. So um, we're seeing this huge expansion and it's only going to continue. I mean, the, the die is, the die is set. We can see what's happening. So, um, you know, if I was an actor in theater, I would recognize the fact that if I want to, if I want to make money acting, I need to learn to work intimately with the camera. And I need to learn the, uh, the different approach to a film performance, the execution of a film performance. Because uh, you're going to have to totally drop a lot of what you've been doing. Because in the theater, it's a different technology. Let's look at the difference between these two technologies. In the theater, the technology is the proscenium arch theater. You have to be heard. Right. What does this mean? This means you have to learn to focus your voice into the mask of the face so that it, the mask of the face will function like a cone and will carry it. Okay? We have to hear you. That's the technology. Okay? In film, baby, I'm shooting a shotgun microphone at you. I can hear your heartbeat yeah. if I want. <laughs> Every sigh. The way you breathe is deeply meaningful. I don't need to hear, have you do that page of dialogue. I just saw with the way you sighed, I understand where you're at. Mm -hmm. I know what you're thinking and feeling, okay? Because of the intimacy that I have, that I have with you. Okay, now in the theater, you have to, your impulses have to be extended because you only look three inches high to the average person in the theater. So we learn to do this body work. We learn when we feel something, we learn to extend the impulses into gestures, etc., to help communicate this. Were you to do that on film, would go, whoa, what does this guy think? He's in the, at a theater someplace? <laughs> it's you like know? a silent, silent movie. <laughs> yeah, what's he doing? All this pantomime stuff, you know? Everybody looks like Jerry Lewis. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than realizing that the camera is x-raying your thoughts. And if you're dwelling on dynamic and compelling psychological material from your own life that is interrelated to what the character is doing, we see the performance is beautiful. Yeah, you'll see, you'll see an entire page of dialogue practically in the little micro twitch of an eye exactly. or something well, like that. And, and to me, as a, just again, a very beginner theater person, uh, that sounds very intimidating. And now you've made the move from theater to television and film, where cameras are obviously involved, and it's such a specific, um, like you said, it's, it's so intimate. What is that transition like? Oh my gosh, every little thing I do, I have to have dialed in perfectly, but I suppose that speaks to the importance of really, truly listening and reacting in truth, which is obviously just, you know, <laughs> an umbrella approach. That's a good, ever that's one, a good but, point, because on stage, you can get, when you're doing these massive gestures, you can get away with right. missing yeah, something. Yeah, they're not going to see an eye twitch. They're not going to hear a sigh like that. How did you make that transition? How, how do you recommend someone makes that transition? Okay, well, like everything else, it begins with training. So here's the beginning. When you come into my acting class, the first thing you're going to learn, we're going to put two things together. And this is just a baseline we need to create for film acting. Just the baseline. But we got to do this first. What are these two components? The first one is called dynamic relaxation. 
you're going to have to learn through a repeated discipline how to dynamically relax your psyche, every muscle in your body, and your nervous system. This is absolutely essential because real impulses cannot pass through an instrument where there's any tension whatsoever. You need to be so relaxed you could go to sleep in front of the camera. And our best actors do. In fact, many actors get themselves in big trouble pursuing this. I mean, you've heard of you know Al Pacino with the downers and people abusing alcohol and people trying to make shortcuts to relaxation. And it's always a mistake because it's going to always take more and more to get you to the same level mm -hmm. of relaxation. So do it the right way. This is a discipline we set up. It's something I talk you through. But if we, every single class begins with this. So we dynamically relax your body so it can freely conduct real impulses. All right, now what's the second half we need to put on? Once we get that dynamic relaxation in place, we must now train your nervous system to be totally impulsive and in the moment. Impulsive and in the moment, okay? No thinking. Not playing out a concept of how you think the scene should be done. You're simply connected with your partner and you're freely and spontaneously responding to the real behavior coming from your partner. Now this is antithetical to being alive, okay? Because we're taught to be self-conscious. We have been taught from the beginning, you know, you know, good little boys don't cry, good little girls don't get angry. We're all stuffed up. And instead, what we have to do is open all that back up so these impulses can begin to flow in a free and spontaneous way through our nervous system. The basic approach to this is called the Meisner technique that I use. Are you familiar with this? I am, yeah. yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, again, like all techniques, it's, it's, it's misunderstood. This comes from the method. Meisner was in the group theater, which is where Stanislavski reposited the original Stanislavski system, which then became kind of fragmented with the different American teachers. But in that fragmentation, it also became developed, okay? And went way beyond. That's why we don't call it the Stanislavski system anymore. We call it the American method approach now. Uh, the work that, that Sandy did is remarkable, okay? Um, I have a special certification in Meisner training, teacher training. And I had had teachers, I knew the Meisner work for a long time, but I'm really glad I took the certification because I went into a depth of the levels of repeating that I was not really aware of before. Anyway, we need to get the actor's nervous system, the psyche, deeply relaxed, all the muscles deeply relaxed, and now puts you in a totally impulsive state, which you normally are not in. We're normally not in an impulsive state. We have to get there. Once we've got those things going, we now go to a toolkit of psychological techniques where you're going to learn to use your real psychological material from your own life to send the performance in this direction or that direction. We never know for sure how it's going to turn out, okay? We never know, but what we know is it's going to send it where we want it to go. It's always going to be free and spontaneous. It's always going to come out of the moment. It's always going to be naturally unfolding because that's what we have to catch on camera. We cannot catch a canned performance. We cannot get someone who's trying to say their lines right or is playing out. The big trap is playing out the scene, playing out a concept of how you think the scene should be played. We don't know how it should be played. We discover, and the only place you're going to discover that is with your partner's in the moment 
once all the other psychological techniques are being applied. Because we've got to come in at various levels to create this behavior, various psychological levels. Stanislavski, if you read especially some more recent translations of his work, he says, and this is absolutely so spot on, he said the purpose of all the work is to get to a point where the subconscious mind takes over the performance. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. When you practice the art of acting, film acting, at the highest possible level, the subconscious mind has taken over the performance. And to you, it just feels like you're going for a ride, baby. You're just going for a ride with your partner is all you're doing. But it comes out brilliantly. And when we look at brilliant film performances, like, um, what was the Joker? Or Joker? Oh, Heath Ledger. Huh? Keith Ledger? Well, Keith Ledger is a very good example. But I Jack Nicholson? Oh, Joaquin Phoenix. There we go, oh, Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix, yeah, yeah. which we just saw. How many Jokers? <laughs> yeah. go all the way back. You can take either one of them because they're both brilliant film performances. Yeah. Folks, there's no way those guys can be playing a concept of how the scene should go. These guys, are the subconscious mind has taken over. They have been feeding in stimuli and feeding in stimuli and applying all of these different techniques, and they have reached a point now where the subconscious mind is taking over the performance. And there you go, now we just got to film it. Well, I think that may be where some of the uh, misunderstanding about method comes in. I think a lot of people, I know myself uh, included, for a long time believe that method means living the character 24-7, becoming... Uh, like you said, it's great to do your background work and go and, and live and eat and breathe the places that your character would go. But you, know, you see guys like Heath Ledger who took it a little too far, where they literally became, or you know, people like Jim Carrey who've really made a name for themselves doing that. You know, call me Andy Kaufman. I'm not going to answer to Jim Carrey. You know, while we're making yeah. the Man in the Moon, that type of thing. Is that a form of method? Is that in the extreme end of method, or is that really kind of the wrong definition? Well, what you're talking about is just one aspect of the method, mm -hmm. but let's call that making it real for yourself, okay. okay? Now, is making it real for yourself important? Absolutely. Do you have to do what Heath Ledger does? Most actors do not. But what does it mean to make it real for myself? Well, uh, like I said before, if, if I'm playing a homeless guy, I gotta go live in my car for a while. I have to understand the aches and pains that come. I have to understand I'm in a daze because I never really sleep, mm -hmm. you know? Case in point, Frances McDormand in Nomadland. Right. Basically living that life for however long she did to make that film. Much more believable, yeah. 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 If you cast me as a guy, as a gangster from Flatbush, Brooklyn, I gotta go get an apartment there. I gotta hang out there. Because I'm not, for, I'm a Midwestern guy. Yeah. I've got to pick up. There's a certain mentality. There's a certain certain impulses, a certain way of living and thinking that comes from people who live in Flatbush. It's a different. It's a different area. And you move all over the country. I mean, the South is different than the East Coast, and California is different than Washington. And uh, you know, you have all these. It's like it's like they're different consciousness. There's a different kind of consciousness in these places. So yes, making it real for yourself must be done. You know, I remember once I was playing a cop, and I wasn't a cop, and I had no interest in guns, but I went to my friend who was, and I got all of his gun magazines and a bunch of his guns and survival stuff, uh, survival magazines, and I was reading this stuff, and I was becoming an expert on all this, and it like, it forces your consciousness into that place. It kind of forces your consciousness into the first chakra, if you're aware of the chakra system, the survival. I've got to survive and get the jump on the other guy. And this consciousness begins to change us over time. 
And this is part of the method, but it's just one aspect. There's many, many tools. And I would say that's the making it real for yourself tool. Mm -hmm. So if you guys, let's say you guys didn't know each other and you were at, you play best buddies in the script. If I'm your director, I'm going to say, I want you guys to go out and get drunk tonight together. Go out to a bar and get drunk because you've got to start bonding together as buddies bond. You know, it's got to be made real. You can't act it. The camera is too intimate. Mm -hmm. You can't play out a concept of, oh, he's my buddy. You can't do it because you're removed from it. It has to become real for you. So in, there's, that's one aspect of creating a character is to make it real, but it's only one. And we could go. We could do a whole show on just all the different tools. If you, I want. think we might have to. We might. <laughs> but going, going. To, speaking of teaching, the faculty in your program at OC, how big is it at this point? So, how many folks do you have on the teaching side, and has it been challenging to attract teachers? Uh, boy, has it. And I have had to import people from various places. I'll tell you the way we're structured right now, and then I'm going to talk about my faculty, which is an extraordinary faculty. We've been able to attract and you'll see why in just a moment. The OC Film School is divided into three sub-departments. I'm the chair and director of the program, but I am also head of the acting directing department. Aaron Drain, screenwriter Aaron Drain, is head of the screenwriting and producing department. And filmmaker Amy Hesketh is a head of the production and post-production department. So we have three full-time faculty members that run the sub-departments of the school. Now let me just, if I could just say a bit about those two people and then I'll go on to the Absolutely. rest of my faculty. Yeah. We have lots of adjuncts that we've been able to attract also from around uh, the world. Uh, I imported Aaron Drain from Los Angeles. He was living in Los Angeles when I met him. He uh, is actually a Bremerton guy. All he right. went to Bremerton High School. Aaron got a million dollars for his first script before he graduated from UCLA film, uh, film School. Uh, he has gone on and done all sorts of work. Currently, he has two films streaming you can look at. on. They're both on Amazon, and one is called Fear Clinic, and the other one that's still streaming is Chartle House. He bought Chartle House, rewrote the script, and produced it. Fear Clinic, he wrote. He is, uh, was under contract to develop a series of projects at Paramount and has a very, uh, very uh, you can take a look at his bio, it's very, uh, it's very dynamic and compelling. Before Aaron was hired, I used to teach screenwriting. I think I'm a pretty good screen, screenwriting teacher. I am nothing compared to Aaron Drain. He, I hired him because he's the best I've ever seen. I've never seen anybody that can pull scripts, full-length scripts out of people in 10 weeks hmm. that are a direct expression of the unique voice of that writer. This is a special talent when you can do that, and Aaron is really, really good at this. Uh, Aaron also has another script that he wrote, which uh, he's currently in. He's in negotiations with Amazon right now called Ruckter. And that production was actually directed by another faculty member, Amy Hesketh, and uh, they co-wrote it together. That film was made last summer, and they hired a whole lot of our students worked on the film. Okay, That's great. And we're going to yeah. get to this aspect. We have 
The OC Film School, we have internship programs. Our students work and get credits while they're a student. They, they are getting uh, professional credits in various ways. One way was they worked on this feature film that was for the most part shot in this area. They shot some of it, I think, in Los Angeles as well. So that's Aaron. Now I'll talk to you about uh, Amy, who I just mentioned, also directed Ruchter. Um, Amy is a filmmaker. She's done uh, 10 films for the new distribution channels, the digital distribution channels. She was an early pioneer. She was a visionary that saw this coming before it came. And she moved down to Bolivia and she, she trained a bunch of people in Bolivia to work for her and started producing, using this new model, producing films. There, there are two or three of her films that are still streaming, um, and I think it's on Amazon as well. But uh, she is an extraordinary um, uh, director. She's an extraordinarily, uh, she is up on all the latest little gizmos and technology. And whenever we're going to buy anything, I, of course, say, Amy, we're thinking of buying this. And she tells me, oh, in the last 30 days, somebody developed this in their garage. we got to get this. You know? So she's really on top of the way this is moving forward. In a very, it's a real passion of hers. And another, I think, really great thing about having Amy, uh, who is such a distinguished filmmaker herself, is that this is the era of the female director in many ways. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was, when I worked for Universal, the studio system hired lots of women, but you never saw a woman producer, never a director. In all the years I acted, I had one female director and that was for one day only on a soap. That was it. I never had a female director other than that. Well, when Catherine Bigelow won Best Director, it was a 2009 for Hurt Locker. For Hurt Locker, mm -hmm. yeah, right. phenomenal yeah, film. Yeah, phenomenal film, really extraordinary. This broke the glass ceiling, and we're seeing a influx now of female directors, and this is very exciting, and I think it's great that we've got Amy, because she kind of represents this, and it, she's an inspiration to the female students that really want to be filmmakers. So, um, Anyway, that's Amy and that's Erin. We also have a variety of other uh, people that are working with us. Craig Downing, who, who teaches at Carniche, used to teach over at the Art Institute, the film school there. We nabbed him <laughs> as that kind of dissolved. And, we, uh, and Craig's a great, great teacher. Uh, we also have um, uh, Rachel Thochector, and uh, we imported her from Manhattan. She's a producing teacher. Aaron teaches producing, so does Rachel. And um, we have a new faculty member who we just hired about a year ago because of the demand from the community. We've had a lot of demand. We are a, a narrative filmmaking school. So it's all about the narrative. It's about storytelling. We've had a lot of people in this area call us wanting to do documentary and corporate films. Hmm which is a specialty unto itself. Yeah. Uh, so we imported Mark Evans, a documentary filmmaker. Uh, currently, uh, he's, got one f he's got one film on Amazon right now called uh, The Glamour and the Squalor, uh, which you can stream and look at. Extraordinary film. And last week, his latest film called uh, Clay Dream, 
premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival. It did its world premiere. Nice. Wow. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> what, what an extraordinary thing. The filmmaker lives in Bremerton. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. At Robert De Niro's film festival. Right. Well, uh, you know, it's like, which distributor is he going to pick now? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's got several chasing him. Where I'm it's sure. going to wind up screaming, I don't know. I just spoke with him a couple of days ago. He still hadn't decided which deal he was going to take. So we have just an extraordinary uh, filmmaker. And when I was in, uh, just like I was in touch with Aaron for a couple of years before he decided to move here to Los Angeles, I was in touch with Mark a, a couple of years. And he had, he was interested in coming here actually a couple of years ago. So finally he's moved here. We have Mark on board and we've just developed a certificate in documentary filmmaking. And Mark is kind of spearheading that, that particular certification. So we've, now that we've ch chatted about faculty, I'm curious about your student body. Yeah. Are they folks, you said you, could, you start out, you get your two-year associate's degree, you can go on and get your full bachelor's degree. Are these kids coming straight out of high school? Are you, is there a, like I remember when I was at OC, part of the fun was being a 16, 17, 18-year-old kid, and you might have people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, wow. uh, coming back just for the joy of it, uh, maybe come back for a second degree, that kind sort of, the of thing. the community college model. Exactly yeah. right, yeah, and that was part of the fun. Do you have folks who are, are, you know, just have an interest in this and later in life, and you know, they, what, they're pursuing this dream, that sort of thing? What's the, what's the demographics like? Well, we have everything from running start students who might be 16 years old, yeah. who want to take one of our film classes, all the way up to, um, we just had one of our students died at age 74, and we're currently pulling all of his films together to do a little, you know, wow. retrospective to him. Wow. Okay, he's 74. So, and everything in between. This is a second career for some people. Mm -hmm. It's a first career for some people. We have, we do have a lot of students coming out of uh, high school that go into the program. I would say the average age of the student is closer to mid-30s, if I was going to kind of average it all together. Um, Folks who maybe have a degree in something already. Correct. And are now seeing that this because that's the thing is you see all this there's obviously so much competition out there on the digital realm but that also means there's a lot of demand so instead of allowing that to intimidate someone it should be seen really it's what it sounds like as an opportunity yes absolutely uh, I, I think it's it's um, it, it's very exciting and there's all sorts of people that are coming to us at these various ages that have a unique voice as an artist this is what it's all about we're not here, and the faculty, we talk about this all the time as in faculty meetings, we are not here to cookie-cut people. We are here to develop the individual voice of the artist, and that is totally unique. And I think that's one thing we're really proud of when we look at our student films, is that we have such unique voices making different statements thematically. Uh, and ideologically in their films. So I think it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's very satisfying. Now we have a lot of students coming in from outside the state. We have students coming in from outside the country. And uh, now that the film school is uh, gaining notoriety from some of the prestigious film festivals, our students' films have, have found their way into, et cetera, we, we're growing rather rapidly. I think I mentioned to you when we first met that we're the uh, for the last three years, the fastest growing program 
in the state of Washington is the OC Film School. No, oh, congrats. That's great. Thank yeah. you. Not yeah. just film program. 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 Yeah, program phenomenal. period. The fastest growing program the last three years is the OC Film School. Do you find that, you mentioned the, the goal is finding the voice of the artist, the voice of the filmmaker. Do you find that that's a differentiator between the OC program and even some of the more expensive programs in California and New York? I do. Um, I think that there are film schools that have a kind of cookie cutter approach. And um, I think that's, uh, that's not desirable. But while we're on the subject, let me just mention that three of our students develop portfolios, taking our associate's degree. They then applied to the USC Film School, which is, I think, arguably the biggest film school, the most prestigious film school, certainly in the country, if not the world. Yeah. And they got in with their OC portfolio. Oh, that fantastic. They made That's great. Yeah. <laughs> We've yeah. had a few guests on our How show satisfying that, that are be, USC yeah. yeah, Scott Breitbarth up on Bainbridge Island. And, Danny uh, Bilson. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 You think of places like that as the place you need to go, and yet, in I think in the same way that this emergence of the digital technology has been a great equalizer. Now you have programs like yours that have now kind of leveled the playing field for a lot of folks and made it affordable and accessible to so many other people. And I'm 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 sold. <laughs> when can I sign up? And that that leads us to the next question: people who want more information. Uh, whether they be high school students, we've got people listening of all ages and interest levels. How can people find out more and, and how can they, are most of these daytime classes, can you kind of give us a little overview of, of what to expect? Uh, is this something people can do if they're working professionals? These are mostly day classes, five days a week. Classes are, um, they start at eight in the morning and they go to about, uh, about six at night. Okay, so that's the way we've been doing it. But we have been growing so much that we are now extending our, our plan this next year is to extend into weekends and evenings. Oh, great. So that people who work for a living can also uh, go to school. Uh, let me just say something uh, that's uh, sticking like a splinter in my mind about USC film school. My advice to students is, is go to school where you want to work. Uh, in other words, if your goal is Los Angeles, then I think you would be well served to do what those three students did, where they came here, they developed their portfolio, and then applied. But the fact of the matter is, I mean, you know, back in my generation, that was the key to get into USC or someplace like that because the business was totally centralized in Los Angeles. But we, this is a new era. Mm -hmm. That really is no longer necessary unless you're really into classical Hollywood films and that's where you want to work, then that's fine. But this, we're seeing digital filmmaking is causing a decentralization of the business outside of Los Angeles. We have this uh, burgeoning Seattle mm -hmm. uh, film community. Lots of films are being made in Seattle now. It's spreading out all over the world. Look at some of the content you're seeing on Netflix and Hulu. It's coming from other countries, but they're using the same soft money micro budget model to produce it in their own countries. So there's a real shift, and um, I think success comes from realizing where we are and honoring where we are and not be backward looking and looking at old models that kind of don't work anymore. And uh, be forward looking. We, we're in our bachelor's program, we're already teaching 
virtual reality, 360, augmented reality, because we know this is where the business is going. We've had students that were hired after they took one, one of these classes in virtual reality because nobody, nobody has studied it. Okay, and places like <laughs> Microsoft, places like Microsoft are trying to develop it. They go, you took a class in this? You're hired, you know? <laughs> Come and teach us. Yeah, exactly. So, um, well, what yeah. an exciting program to be part of. Uh, not not only just at the helm, but just in part of in general, and and to see this stuff happening, and 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 to see the program growing so much. Yeah, I think I think we've tried to create a program that you know, if I was 18 years old, wanted to be a dramatist, like I was as a kid, what should I study? You know, if this is where my heart's at, and I want to tell great stories, and I want to be a dramatist, and my love is scripts and acting and directing and these various technologies. Where do I want to be? What would I need to do? This school is built for that. That's what we built this for. So, um, and even, it sounds like also, if you don't know, you will find out oh, because you? it's so well-rounded. You may not know that you enjoy directing until you take a directing class. You may not know that you like to screenwrite. That's what excites me because again, part of the reason Greg and I do this is because we're just interested. We're curious about every aspect of it and here's a program where you can go in and you can get a taste of everything. I think that's phenomenal. Yep. And once you've had one taste, this is what happens all the time, you will get sucked into the whole program. <laughs> yeah. We've had, you know, people, We've lost some nurses from the nursing program. I'm sure. They took one course and <laughs> yep. they just got, now they're filmmakers, yeah. you know, because... I can play a nurse anytime I want. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't have to change any bedpans. <laughs> so anyway, you want to know how to get hold of us? You started yeah. to ask that question. Yeah, I'd love, and, I, yeah, we want our listeners to know how to get hold, get more information okay. as you wrap up here. Yeah, well, uh, you can go to the Olympic College uh, webpage. Just put in film or filmmaking in the upper right-hand corner is a search. And the first thing that comes up, click, and that will take you to the OC Film School or the Filmmaking Department uh, webpage. And there's all sorts of contact information. But let me say this, you can phone me anytime. I like students that are interested in the program. I prefer to talk to them on the phone uh, initially or Zoom with them because we've got a lot to talk about. I got to find out what their goals are. I have to uh, lay out what this program is. They need to understand fully what they're getting into and uh, what's going to be offered to them so they can take full advantage of it. So I can be reached at 360-475-7315. That's 360-475-7315. You can email me at thagan, so it's T-H-A-G-A-N, at olympic.edu. So those would be two ways of getting hold of me. Okay, and we'll, link, we'll list both of those in the show notes. Yeah, you bet. You mentioned Zoom just before we go. What was the impact of COVID and the shutdown on the program? Yeah, well, that has been, you know, when I first heard all of our classes need to be on Zoom, I was ready to put a bullet in my head <laughs> because what we do is collaborative. Yeah. We work in teams. These are teams of artists coming together, each making their unique contributions. Each of them want to fully express themselves, yet stay in harmony with the overall vision given to us by the director, etc. So I'm going, how are we going to do this? And um, I got to tell you, I was totally shocked at how well we did. All classes, none of them were online. We put all of them online. And I think... Uh, that 
we've really done an extraordinary job and the, the program has continued through this period, but I am thrilled that we are returning in the fall to face-to-face -face classes because okay. that is a superior way to do this, of course. But I think we've done a great job. Amy just did, with the production classes, she was just extraordinary. I, you know, I have to watch the classes, I evaluate faculty and all that. And I was just, it was amazing the way she was teaching production on a Zoom format and had students at home with viewfinders and creating different overheads with snapshots through their viewfinders and teaching everything that needs to be taught in this kind of format. It was, it was really extraordinary. Well, creative people are gonna find creative solutions. There you go. Yep, absolutely. And a lot of time challenges bring out the most creativity. Mm -hmm. We're glad to see that. Well, we're glad you're here, we're glad you're local, and we're glad that uh, things are happening at OC. Thanks so much for joining us, Tim. Hey, it was my pleasure, thank, thank you both. And when things get open up, we're gonna be heading over there to take a look at yeah, the Yeah, we gotta get a tour of this new facility, it's fantastic. Yeah, just call me, you'll get a free tour when you go over there, I'll take you around and show you all the neat stuff. All awesome. right, that's a deal. Thanks again. All right, thanks, Tim. Well, thank you again to our guest, Professor Tim Hagen. You can find out more about Olympic College's filmmaking program at olympic.edu forward slash filmmaking. Again, that's olympic.edu forward slash filmmaking. Join us next week when we'll welcome special guest Carrie Bible, tour guide at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery and host of Hollywood Kitchen. And if you enjoy the show, make sure to follow us and share the podcast with a friend. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Amazon Audible, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. We'd love to hear from you, so please join the conversation on Facebook and Twitter. And as always, thank you for supporting your local theater and for joining us on Heilman and Haver. 